Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, here we go. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein getting ready for a busy show today as we've got our NHL insider, Eric Dehatchik, coming up in just a little bit. We'll talk to Eric about 12.30. Lots of uh, off-ice news going on to catch up with Eric on and a few other things as well. Baseball tonight on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, we're the home for the World Series. Looking forward to it. We'll have Game 6 for you. Coming up just after 6 o'clock, Dan Schulman with the call with Jessica Mendoza. Looking forward to that. And a man that is going to be glued to it, uh, you know, two hours later, obviously, with the time chain, uh, change out east, it'll be Peter Lubardius. Let's talk to Lou right now. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, we had uh, Adnan Verk on the morning show today, and he's pretty convinced it's going to Game 7. Uh, he's not alone. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very much preparing to, uh, you know, spend about the next eight hours of my life pacing around yep. and grabbing my hair and doing all those things to uh, get – to game seven. Um, but, you know, one never knows. I mean, the thing about tonight when I think about it is obviously with Blake Snell, who's been one of the best pitchers in the game, I'm going for Tampa against Tony Gonsolin. I certainly don't like the pitching matchup. I like it if I'm cheering for Tampa and Snell was outstanding in game number two. So I give them a huge edge. I think the whole... Game six is going to come down to one thing, and that is can the Dodgers, who have done a great job of it in the last three games, um, can they get to Snell early? Because, Kelly, the one thing that I love so much about sports is, you know, you can have great nights and you can even have a great night in game number two, but Blake Snell has never pitched in a game like this. He's never been in a situation with his team's fate on the line in game six of the World Series. So, um, and then the other interesting part, remember now the Dodgers are the home team. So the first inning might go a long way because if you're the Dodgers, every zero you can put up with Tony Gonsolin on the mound will go a long, long way. So I either see Tampa winning this one about five to two because Snell is so good, or I could see the Dodgers, if they can get to him early, I could see it being another one of those six, five or seven, six type of games. What have we not seen? We'll have to uh, check it out tonight and we'll do just that right here on Sportsnet 960. The fans so much to talk about. I mean, we just thought, no, we're going to be uh, we're going to have lots of news to talk about uh, right through the end of October, and sure enough, we did. I do want to talk about this uh, top prospects list because I know you're sure. passionate about it, and um, it's a tough list to put together at the best of times, Lou. But uh, <laughs> a little lack of information right now, and I, I don't know how they came up with it. And like, what does it all mean? And and is it a crime if you're not on that list? And should you get too excited if you are, you know, maybe a little higher than maybe you thought you'd be? Give me your thoughts on on what we're seeing on that list. 
Well, the only real difference at this point, Kelly, because we're still in October. So when, you know, the scouting department and NHL Central Scouting puts that list together, it primarily has come from intel that they have received in past seasons. They're obviously this year with, you know, a lot of players, particularly in North America, who are on those lists. Well, they really haven't had an opportunity to strut their stuff. And that's really important because, you know, there can be such a massive change, just even physically, Kelly, when you think about, you know, someone who is primarily 17 years of age. It's the 2003 and late 2002 birthdays that are going to be drafted whenever the 2021 draft. I'm not going to say it's going to be in June because – Chances are that's not going to happen either. So um, this intel has been arrived at mostly because of what these young men have done, you know, in the past couple of seasons, uh, especially last season. So, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, even in the case of certain players, there's players that I watched last, um, November in Medicine Hat at the World Under-17 Challenge. Um, you know, I had an opportunity, Kelly, at least myself, to watch the best Canadian 2003 birthdays, which this draft is primarily coming from, because of the Canada Winter Games that was held in 2018 in Red Deer. So, you know, people start to take a book on these kids earlier rather than later so it's it's very different i think though you know where it's going to get even more difficult is the kids in europe in particular and even the united states you know development team that's going to start to get going here in the next couple of weeks well you know right now unless you're in the quebec league for an example you don't get to play if you're in some other leagues so it is going to really, really test NHL scouts if kids don't start playing games between now and the draft. And, Kelly, we, we don't know how many, and we don't know what kind of competition. Now, even going back to, you know, the draft we just had in October, you know, scouts had to do that different. You know, there was no combine. They missed out primarily on all the key playoffs. One of the great scouting tools every year in the spring is the World Under-18 Championship that was supposed to be staged in Plymouth, and that's where it's headed again for 2021. So, you know, the the book to this point, really, this one isn't hard. Now, the book and going forward, that to me, rather than what I've seen today, is going to be the challenging part. If you're one of those players, including, you know, several in the Western Hockey League that are in that A grouping, not the B and C, but A grouping, you know, if you're a Western Hockey League guy or, you know, the Ontario Hockey League, yesterday it sounds like they're going to push stuff back again. So, yeah. you know, it's hard to – I, I feel I, for the kids. It just I doesn't feel, seem – it just, it's just not kids. fair. Like, I, nope. there's no other way to say it, and there's nothing you can do about it. And there then you isn't. think, okay, well, how, okay, how do we take advantage of something like that if you're, if you're a player? It's like, okay, this is the cards we were dealt, not my fault, but I'm at this age. I've worked all my life to get here. You wonder, like, what, 
you know, what can you do if you're, you're a prospect that really wants to strut your stuff, but you can't do it? Well, Kelly, what I would say is this, and it's going to be fascinating. Um, I talked about physical maturity. Well, there are going to be kids that, you know, the mental anguish of the whole situation might prevent them from training the way they possibly can. But you still have an opportunity with your habits. You're still going to have an opportunity to get some ice time, and you certainly can put in the physical training and that type of work to, you know, let's take some of the kids in the Western League for an example. So you're not going to have the same amount of games, but that doesn't mean you don't get to skate and you don't get to train. So all you can do in any situation, it just doesn't apply to kids getting ready for a draft, you know, what are your work habits like? And what are you doing right now when you're not playing games that can give you an advantage? That's really about all you can do. And there's still, Kelly, there's lots of things. I mean, you know, whether it's maybe you want to be watching more video of, of your own play, of other teams' play. Um, you know, if, if you want to take a look at NHL games that have just been played, don't tell me there's things that you can't do with your time to give you an edge. And I would say for a lot of those kids who, let's face it, we all love structure, we all crave structure, what can you do to get out of your comfort zone to give yourself an edge? And one of the things I think they can do is kids like being on their phones and they like, you know, video. Well, if you're not watching video of how other people play who are better than you, you're missing out on an opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering if there's a plan B for for the, uh, you know, the O and the Q and the Western League. Like, let's say things get a little crazier. Is, is there a way to get your top-end prospects some sort of high-end competition outside the World Juniors? I wonder if there's well, a way to do that. Kelly, at a certain point in time, they're going to play. They're going to play. There, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind, I think, in some way, shape, or form, they're going to play, or they're going to create certain situations. And, you know, again, I'm not always, you know, the fact of the matter is, so, you know, there's already young people, you know, in Europe from North America playing to give themselves an opportunity. You know, local leagues, the Alberta Junior League, the, you know, the Saskatchewan Junior League is about to start playing more games or start their regular season. Um, you know, it's, it's a great conversation because, you know, kids more than anything else, and I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm a big believer, is they need to play. But the thing that can't get lost, Kelly, and I understand it because we're talking about the draft, is all the focus and all the attention always goes primarily on the high-end kids. Well, don't forget about the rest of them either. Because without them, you know, it, it all matters in terms of the of development. So, yeah. you know, I even feel bad, you know, I'm in Ontario. Well, guess what's not going on in Ontario? <laughs> At least kids in the West, 
there's games going on because I see it every single day. I've been watching some games on on hockey TV. You know, even some I, I watched a Bantam game the other day. Um, that, that does not surprise me for one no. second, by the way. So, so um, but I, you know, at, you know, at least that part of the development system, it's happening. But you're right; it's these are not these are not easy times. And I do, you know, as I did back in the spring, you know, think about being on a really good junior team and being a 20 year old. Yeah, this is going to be our that, year. Gone. This is it. That, yeah. that was gone. Yeah. Gone. Or or you're in a community where for the first time in a long time you have an incredibly competitive team that legitimately has a chance to win. Well, that's gone. So but again, guess what? There's a there's a lot bigger fish to fry on yeah. planet Earth than, Agreed. Agreed. than some of this stuff. But it's true. Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, you can stream us on our app. You can stream us on our website. You can use your smart speaker. Lots of ways to listen in to Hockey Central at noon. We're also joined from the satellite studio with Peter Klein. Peter. Uh, one of the places they are playing hockey is overseas, as you guys discussed. And uh, Glenn Godden sounds like he is going to be taking advantage of that opportunity. Seem As soon as I saw that, it was like, well... That makes all the sense in the world. Uh, but what do you make of uh, Glenn Godden making his way overseas to get some hockey in? Well, I think for anybody, Peter, a lot, you know, on the same vein of what we've been talking about. I mean, you know, when you're a player continuing to develop and own your craft, and, you know, in the case of Glenn, who looks like he's on the precipice of being a, a regular NHL participant, well, you need to play. And, you know, not unlike the kids that we're talking about getting ready for the draft, you know, you'll take every edge you possibly can. So um, I got rumblings late last night that um, Glenn could very well be headed to Switzerland to play professional hockey and, you know, for one of the Flames' best young prospects as far as their forward ranks are concerned. Remember, even if we go back, Peter, to you know July and August, I think Glenn Godden plays in some playoff games. I really do. If he doesn't suffer a high ankle sprain during the camp, which you know put him completely out of the process, so um, you know it was great. He was in great shape. I thought early in that camp he, he looked terrific. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to have an NHL career, but. You know, for him, not unlike Yusuf Alamaki and others trying to, you know, prepare themselves the best they can, it's very different, don't you think, Mr. Klein, for, you know, the up-and-comers as opposed to the very well-established. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I thought what you guys were talking about with the, the prospects kind of works for the pros as well, where you hear all the time, hey, this guy eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey. And it, it is, I'm sure you don't get to this level without that being at least kind of true. But without the, like you said, the regimen and the routine of every day, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Left to your own devices, uh, I think the phrase is idle hands do the devil's work. Um, we now get to see what these guys can do and how they can progress. And I, I love seeing kids like Gordon and Valimaki taking advantage of the opportunity that's available to them overseas right now. And, and I think that's um, 
uh, very much in the win column for them when I'm looking at their evaluations. Lou, what, well, what would be the uh, level of hockey? Sorry to interrupt there. The, the level of hockey over there for, for, for Glenn, is that, is that a step below the A? Is that two steps below the A? Like, where, where does it come in, do you think? Well, you know, I mean, the Swiss, the Switzerland's number one league, the National League in Switzerland, is a really good league. Uh, you know, and that's one of the countries in hockey that, I mean, is is there a country that's really made larger progress in the last 20 years? I don't think. Yeah, they came been. from from nowhere, and now they're they're a they're a factor now. And, you know, and they're they're turning out more and more good players all the time. I mean, Germany now is kind of, especially you know, coming out of this draft with you know, three high-end kids, including Tim Stutzla, and needless to say, the outstanding year that another German by the name of Leon Dreisaitl had. But, you know, the Swiss League has been incredibly competitive for a long time. And if you're someone that, and I do, if, if you watch a lot of their world championship teams over the years, they've had some great showings. They've, you know, they've They've not won a world championship, but they've finished second on a couple of occasions. So um, it's 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 a good league, depending on the team you're playing for, and you know the opportunity that you're given. But you know, further Kelly to what Mr. Klein talked about, just again having the chance to work on your craft and and play right now for someone looking to have every edge. I just see it as nothing more than a win-win scenario. The other thing I think that, you know, can get lost a little bit too is when you go somewhere else, you learn a little differently too. You know, that's, you know, you're not going to be completely controlled by, you know, your own team and your own organization. So, you know, that, that affects your development in one respect, but now you're also, like, I love it for anyone who has a chance, no matter what your craft is, to learn it and do it in some different places. You know, because, Kelly, I think, don't you think we can all learn from whether we're in a different community? Every different workplace I've ever been in, you know, going back to 1984 in Estevan, there's always been something to always. take away. Yeah. Always. You learn how to do things and how not to do things and the right way and the wrong way. And uh, do, do you think there's going to be more guys go over to Europe? I mean, as, Yeah, I as... do. I, I do in a sense, but yet you have to remember, you know, those leagues, um, you know, they're in a more advantageous situation. And they don't, some of them don't allow as many foreigners they, as others do, right? That's that's where I was going next. I mean, they have import rules in the different leagues, you know, which is in certain cases why, you know, players might be, you know, let's take Sweden. Sweden's a really good league, um, you know, the Swedish Hockey League. And then they have their Alvin scan, which is, I guess, the American Hockey League, if you will, comparable to that league. So sometimes there's more options in, in the good countries, even in the second tier. Because yeah. you can't blame those countries for wanting to look after their people first and foremost. Exactly. Yeah, that, it'll be neat to see what, how this all uh, all shakes loose. But good, good for Glenn. That's, that takes some, some guts there. And, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction for him. And 
it I bet you it pays dividends probably, you know, this winter, hopefully, right? Oh, I think it will. And and again, it's a it's a different life experience too. Um, Kelly, you've done so many of um, you know, the Flames time machine pieces yeah. with I mean, how many guys have you talked to over the years, and I know I have, that, you know, after their NHL days, whether it's, you know, long-term or shorter-term, I'm not sure in my travels, Kelly, of covering the game, I've really, outside of Russia, Russia's a bit of a different story, but if if you're going to, to Switzerland or Austria or Italy or Germany... They all love it. They all they love do. it. And, and it's one of those especially when it's coming at the end of your career. Obviously, Glenn is just beginning his career. Yeah. When it comes at the end, it's one of those things that really helps them transition where they said, you know, it's like, okay, I still like playing hockey, but, you know, the rest of my life awaits. And, to you know, if you've traveled to Europe, it's very different. There are some awesome parts of Europe, and to live there and get paid for it is, is, is kind of cool. So, uh yeah, I, you're right. I've I've yet to do one of those interviews where they said, "Oh, it was a terrible experience." And, and Russia being the uh, the uh, odd man out there because yeah, the some... one exception. And <laughs> and even you know there in Russia, you know, we don't even realize sometimes just how you know we live in an incredibly large country ourselves. So you know, but like there's 13 time zones in Russia. Yeah, like it like it is it's a massive massive place i will tell you this i've never watched more russian junior hockey games in my life than i have in the last couple of weeks (laughs) again that does not surprise me even for a second pk that's probably right on brand for lou right watching bantam on the on the internet that's probably that's fair yeah Yeah, I, i would actually be more surprised if he said, you know what, I've been cold turkey this whole time. Like I've just <laughs> yeah. taken a few weeks off, just not not uh, not really checking anything out. Yeah, exactly. It's honestly, I'm at I'm at the point now, you know, and I, I I've done pretty well with COVID. I really have. I've quite surprised myself in in that regard. But um, I am absolutely 100 percent craving being at a live sporting event, and and especially a live hockey game. So um, we'll get there and, you know, we'll uh, thank goodness. I, I'm not always the world's biggest fan of technology as people know. No. Sometimes. No, no. What are you talking but, about? But guess what? Without technology, well, I can't check in on the flames prospects playing in, you know, in Russia or, yeah, or out, other places. Find out what time zone good. you have to get used to, you know. You know, it's good. Sorry, Nance, I got to get up at four in the morning again. Eh, of course you do. Yeah, she just <laughs> imagine living with this donkey for the better part of ten years. Could you imagine, Lou? Yep. I I hope you have a great night tonight. Um, Thanks. Well, but yet I want a game seven, just like from a selfish. You're gonna, point I think of view. you're going to get one. Yeah, because I think I don't do really well for us. But <laughs> all right, we'll talk tomorrow. Okay, have a good one, everybody. Enjoy. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, Pete, just as long as it's uh, crazy, hey? As long as we have something nutty tonight to talk about tomorrow.
Yeah, I, I don't want, oh, well, that was a well-played 3-1 ball game. I don't want any of that. I want madness. I want more drops in center oh. field. I want managerial decisions that we're having to dive into pie charts to figure out. I want all of that tonight. Just not nine sacks of Nick Foles to bore me to death. Oh, oh Lord. Oh, the Bears Bears are a tough watch. That's, uh, that's not, not entertaining television. Oof. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We are live uh, today from the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Awesome partners of ours. Uh, people first, it's Iconic. Visit IconicEC.ca to find out more. We'll take a break. We'll find out what uh, Tehachik thinks about, uh, well, there's a few guys that are still looking for work. There's a few teams doing some work. And uh, I'm going to ask him a little bit about what's going on with uh, with Colorado because I think they are they are tweaking PK right in the right direction. I like what the Avs are doing. I, I think they might need they might need to upgrade upgrade their goaltender, but I think they are the team to watch out for in the West for sure. Yeah, I I thought they were wonderfully constructed to begin with, and now they've made a couple really smart moves. I wanted them to be reckless with the cap space, but I think they've actually done a pretty good job of uh, filling out what was already looking like a championship roster. No wild carry price trade yet. Yeah, no, yeah. and no one year ten million dollar contract for Taylor Hall. I, I wanted I wanted something crazy, and they've been responsible. Those jerks. Oh, being reasonable. Well, we'll see if he's going to be reasonable. We'll talk to Tehachuk next, right here on Hockey Central at noon. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. Your lunch hour continues with Hockey Central at noon. Coming up at 1 o'clock, it's the return of the big show. Right now, let's uh, talk to one of our NHL insiders. We'll go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. He's Eric Tehachuk, and before the break, we were uh, talking about the Colorado Avalanche, and uh, my partner in crime here, Peter Klein, wanted something crazy. They wanted, you know, to use that cap space and spend a bunch of money, but... Uh, they have not done that, and Colorado looks like they are making very strategic moves in trades and signings, and uh, they were the team to watch this playoffs come next uh, season, coming up whenever that starts. They've got to be the favorite in the West, Eric. Well, I, I, I'm sure that there will be people that would make the case for, uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that there would be people that would make the case for the St. Louis Blues that uh, – that you know, if you if you discount the play in the bubble and and that sort of uh, everything that happened after that, the Blues were just humming along. Uh, you know, and I remember uh, with about a month to go, when when the world still seemed kind of normal, uh, you know, catching up with a bunch of their people, including the coach Craig Berube, and uh, talking about the you know the challenge of, of defending a Stanley Cup, which. You know, obviously, you know, we went like two decades without that actually happening. And then Pittsburgh won back to back in 2016, 2017. And you could tell the Blues thought that they had a shot. And then they, they weren't the same team coming, coming out of the pause. Uh, but I think when it gets to that point that you're referencing, you know, probably middle of January, early part of February next year, if you look at the Western Conference and try to isolate teams at, at the top, I would say Colorado. Vegas and St. Louis would be the would be the ones that, that excite me. And uh, 
and you were referencing specifically Colorado. And I was thinking about that. You know, you know you're deep in the off season when the first thing on your mind is, let's bat around the Devin Taves contract, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, sixteen million dollars for Devin Taves. I guess I haven't seen him play enough. Uh, over the years, uh, you know, he was a guy that was in the Islanders organization, worked his way up, and, and had become like a guy that was putting some points on the board. But I didn't really know very much about it. But you can tell that Colorado clearly values him for two reasons. One, they give a pair of second-round picks to get his rights, and then, you know, they signed him to this, uh, this contract. So at a time when not a lot of people are getting a lot of money, $4.1 million for four years for Devin, not Jonathan Taves, strikes me as, as a lot of money. And, and the only thing I would say is you can do that if you've got $5.33 million tied up in your two goaltenders because it does give you lots of freedom and flexibility to flesh out the roster on defense and up front. But we were, we were kind of musing that it would have been fun for a, for a crazy one-year deal for Taylor Hall. And we talked earlier about what about a, a crazy trade to get Carey Price out of Montreal since you know they're wheeling and dealing anyway. That didn't happen, and it's uh, it's too bad for the hockey fans. But I I think the way they're doing it is probably in this where the cap is and where things are right now. It's it's probably you know they were close and had some injuries. Um, you know, instead of really kind of going crazy, just tinker a little bit. Yeah. So uh, let, let's put on our crazy hats, okay? Uh, because we, we do, you know, let, let's start with the crazy hats and then talk about the sober moves that they made. To me, if you're doing the one crazy thing, it's to get Mark Andre Fleury out of Vegas. So, you know, again, we, we go back three weeks and, uh, you know, before the entire goaltending shuffle had taken place, you're right. At this point, a lot of people are wondering does Colorado. Uh, have enough goaltending to win. Now, part of the problem this year was that in the bubble they lost because they were down to their number three goaltender. You know, an injury to to, to Grubauer uh, forced them to play Francois, and Francois was really good for them this year. I mean, really good. Like if you if you take his numbers uh, and compare them to, to other goaltenders in the league, like he was top five in, in a lot of statistical categories. But he did not. He did not play well in, in the bubble. So you know, now, you, if you're Colorado, you have to evaluate: was that an aberration? Uh, was it, did it have something to do with the fact that he'd been off for that period of time and, and didn't have the proper, you know, training uh, availability? You know, in, in Czech Republic, back where he was. So they, you know, obviously they must have come to the conclusion that that they were fine with this goaltending because it was fine during the season. But you know, Mark Andre Fleury is out there. Vegas has signed. Robin Leonard, you know, they're trying to get somebody to take on half of the contract. It's a lot of money. Um, but I think primarily the reason that it didn't go forward was because does Vegas really want Mark andre Fleury playing for Colorado when you probably figure you're going to have to get past Colorado to get to the Stanley Cup final? But that's the guy. Like, if, again, if you can move the pieces around the way we do on a, on a checkerboard rather than, you know, having to actually have two general managers negotiate a trade, that would have made the most sense. Because if you can get him for half of that $7.5 million, which is what apparently the, the number that they were prepared to eat, now you've got 3.75 of Mark andre Fleury. That's not that much. And that gets you the Patrick Waugh type of talent that you're referencing. You know, when you're talking about Carey Price, you're basically saying Colorado should do today what they did, you know, a million years ago when they brought in Patrick Waugh. He was the missing piece of the Stanley Cup puzzle. 
I don't think price is available or was available. Um, you know, Montreal is going for it right now, and uh, you know, the, all of the moves that they made were to, to try and and get the most out of what's left in the second half of Carey Price's career. But that that would have been how I addressed the goaltending thing. In terms of Taylor Hall, I, you know, my understanding is that they were they were one of the teams that inquired, made a serious pitch. Um, again, you know, we're looking at something similar to what, what Buffalo offered, where it was, you know, a lot of money in a very short term, but, you know, an opportunity to win a championship, to, you know, show us where you're at in, in, in your career and go for it. And, and it, you know, it turned out that, that Hall went elsewhere. And I think that the reason that Colorado went forward on Brandon Saad I don't want to label it as a consolation prize exactly, but I think that they felt that they needed another top six forward. And when it didn't work out or when it was clear it wasn't going to work out with, with Taylor Hall, they went in that direction. So, you know, I mean, I look at their roster right now, you know, one year left of Brandon Saad at $5 million. To me, that's a lot of money for Brandon Saad. Um, you know, they've got, you know, a lot of money tied up in mid-level defensemen. Ian Cole, 4.25. Taves, 4.1. Ryan Graves, 3.1. You can only do this well. You got one more year on of Kale McCarr at like eight thirty-three, right? And then he's an RFA next year, and you're going to have to find the money to pay him. So it's a, you know, the salary cap is is always a puzzle that you have to put together. Uh, you know, and Colorado has decided that you know that this year for you know they they, they can afford to to throw a lot of money at players on short-term deals and then see where they're at. And if you win, it was the right decision. And if not, it's back to the drawing board. Eric Katchuk, our NHL insider, is our guest right here on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch. He is Peter Klein. Peter. We still obviously have a bit of off-season to go. I mean, realistically, we don't know how much more off-season we have to go. Uh, but is there one or two teams that kind of stand out in your mind as teams that we now that some of the dust has settled, you'd think, huh, kind of thought they would have done a little bit more uh, as now a lot of the big names are gone from the free agent list? Well, I mean that's that's a complicated question because because you know one of the things that I've been saying is that it's the teams that really haven't done very much that I admire their uh, their their patience. It's it's really it's a hard thing to do. Let, let's use the Los Angeles Kings as, as as an example. So there's a team with a lot of salary cap space. You know they have some viable veteran players like Kopitar, like Quick, like Dowdy, like Jeff Carter. And there's a part of you that thinks. Shouldn't that team, you know, be out there, you know, trying to, you know, you know, selectively, you know, buy a, a, a piece or two and then fold that in with the young players in their system and, and see where they're at? And instead, I think the path that they're forging is, no, nope, we're going to wait a year. We're, we're going to leave those spots in the lineup open so that we can look at the young players in, in our system and we'll get a chance to, to evaluate where they're at what their upside is, how NHL-ready that they are, and then possibly in the summer of, of 2021, if we're starting to get some signs that we are turning the corner as, as a franchise and getting back on the winning track, that's when we're going to go into the free agent market and, and start uh, spending. So that's one team that, um, while they didn't do very much, I applaud their you know, decision not to do very much. The other team that surprised me a little bit, and I went back and forth with someone in the organization this week because I did a, an item on the Chicago Blackhawks. And, and, and I, I didn't think it was a very critical uh, uh, item, but, but I made two points. One is that you know, Chicago did what Toronto did a few years ago, what New York, the Rangers did a few years ago. They sent a note out to their season ticket holders and said, you know, we, are, we are going to a, a period where we're trying to reset. Uh, you know, we, we know that we, you know, we need to pr- 
perhaps take a step backwards if we want to go two step forward. But the goal is to, you know, get to the summit and then stay there. And and I'm reading that and I'm thinking, I said, okay, now why why would you do that? Like why? I, I have no issue with the first part of the equation, which is explain the the organizational plan to to your fans. But why then would you promise them a chance? You know that the goal is to, is to get to the summit and stay at the summit. You tell me if 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 you're a fan. Let's say you're a fan of the Calgary Flames, and they said, you know, our goal is to get to the summit. It's like exactly we want to win a Stanley Cup, and that, that's that's what the goal should be in Chicago. No one can stay at the summit. I mean, that, that's impossible. I, I I get upset sometimes about the imprecise use of language. Uh, you know, even the best teams, the Detroit Red Wings, the, the San Jose Sharks, these teams that were competitive year after year after year, you can't stay there forever. You eventually, you, you do what what happened to them this year. The bottom falls out. So I didn't like that. And I especially didn't like the strategy and goal. So I would argue that if we were having this conversation in January, and you know, you looked at Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford, and at different times this year, both of them played excellent, excellent goal for them. They had one of the best tandems in, in the league. And then all of a sudden, they trade Leonard at the deadline, which was like raising the white flag of surrender. And then they let Crawford go to New Jersey. And now you've got Malcolm Subban, who really hasn't established himself as an NHL goaltender. And you've got Colin Delia, you know, trying him a few times. I mean, if you if you've got all these young players, don't you need your stability and goal to, to mask the mistakes that you make as a young team? I, that didn't make any sense to me. So that that's the part that I that's the other team I suppose that I would highlight. You know, in answer to your question, what what were they thinking? Like, I, I have no problem with with. You know, moving up, Brandon Todd don't love him like Zadorov, the, the defenseman that they got from uh, from Colorado. But why not get somebody that can, you know, has proven they can stop the puck? So if you are working the Adam Boquist in and the Kirby Docks and and whatnot, it, it, they're not going to play as skittish because they're they're confident in the guy stopping the puck. On uh, The Athletic right now, you have a piece on uh, all-Canadian division in the NHL. This is something we kind of batted around a, a couple of weeks ago in terms of the logistics of it and basically just, hey, this would be really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. But now that we get closer to it, and it kind of seems like that's the logical way this can go, from a, a competitive standpoint, how do you see these teams stacking up? Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, and, and the reporting that I've done on this, and I've tried to do some primary reporting on this, is this, this is a viable uh, option right now. So internally at the National Hockey League, you know, they're they're considering a bunch of things. They've they've publicly said they're considering a bunch of things, but this is one, and it has to do with uh, with border crossing issues. And I think that they feel that you know you probably will have to at least start in a hub city in four four different hub cities at different places around North America, and then you'd see how things evolve. And maybe if things are better in in March, you know, you can start traveling again, and people can start watching games. But uh, you 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 buy yourself time if, if you if you create an all Canadian division. So what I did was, you know, sort of the next logical step in the thing is, okay, so if it is a viable possibility, how's it going to look? Right. So if you go back and look at the records of those of, of the Canadian teams last year, it was an unbelievable. It was practically a dead heat at the top, right? And so the, the top Canadian team was Edmonton, 83 points in 71 games, and and fifth was Vancouver, 78 and 69. So if you look at the the winning percentages of those teams, I mean, well, basically five teams had either 36 wins or 37 wins, and then it was a little bit ways back to Montreal at 31, and then Ottawa was you know quite a ways back. But if you look at what Montreal has done to upgrade themselves, I think there's been an awful lot of, you know, kind of the same shuffling in, in, in the remaining cities 
I think it would be an unbelievably close playoff race among really six teams because I think Montreal will be will be in the mix there. And and I, I would ask you guys, like, who do you think is the best team in Canada right now? Who is the best team? Like, who, you know, is Edmonton the best team? Is Toronto the best team? Is Winnipeg? Is Calgary? I mean, I mean, you could make a case for all four of those teams being the best team in Canada right now. So if it does go forward this way, and if and if we get to see more of uh, more games between Toronto and Calgary, more games between Montreal and Calgary, more of the the Edmonton Calgary rivalry. Vancouver is going to be a great rivalry with this year with all of the you know the Vancouver players playing for the play. I, I, I don't see the downside. You know what I mean? I think it's yeah. I think it'd be really really a good thing. Well, I think also people forget that when you play that much maybe we might see something cool between Ottawa and Calgary if you're playing each other that much you're just going to develop a rivalry Oh, sure. Well, you just want to see the Kachuks play against each other over and over again. No, you're 100% right, Kelly. You could make a case for every one of those Canadian teams as a rival of, of, of Calgary's, and there's a reason why the, you know, it will be more than just another NHL game. And I, I go back, again, you know, showing, showing my age, I go back to the days of the original six, and this would almost mimic that. You know, teams, it was a 70-game schedule. You played each other 14 times, 14 times over the course of a season. And, and honestly, you know, I'd be watching Hockey Night in Canada in 1965 and it would, you know, like it didn't bother me that it would be Montreal, you know, every other week or every third week or the Rangers. You know, they were, they, they were very exciting games and there was always somebody on, on every one of those teams that, that you wanted to watch. So, again, I, I, this started out as, as pie in the sky, uh, but it's more than that right now. And a lot of it has to do with you know, these crazy times we live in and the uncertainty, but but this this could happen. This could happen, and if and I think it should happen. That that would be how I would frame it. It could happen, and it should happen. And then we've talked also, Eric, about the uh, the other part of that. If if you are uh, down in the states and you want to, you know, develop rivalries there. I mean, the more the Rangers, the Devils, <laughs> and the Islanders can play each other, that's going to work in their favor too. Yeah. And, but those will be, you know, like those divisions will see familiar. So I suppose you could argue that the same thing would happen here. You know, Calgary's still in the division with Edmonton and, and Vancouver. You know, the three California teams will be grouped together like they always are. Arizona will be in there. Those eastern seaborne teams, seaboard teams are, are, you know, play each other a lot. But no, you're right. It, it, you know, but the other thing is that, you know, you, you are, my understanding is they are not going to start out by traveling. So there's no, like, if, if there are no fans in the building why would you you know why would you take calgary down and play two games in toronto and then two games in ottawa and you come back and then have a homestand and then go back on the road to for games against uh, you know montreal and winnipeg it doesn't make any sense it just adds costs and, and i think one of the things that they're going to be looking at substantially is reducing costs but if you did start traveling um you know the you know the, the, that's the, the downside of the division in canada lots of miles to travel uh, those teams in the east I mean, they can bus. <laughs> like, if, you know, if they have to, they you know, you can bus up and down the eastern seaboard and get to those uh, get to those cities yeah. very easily. So, yeah, I, I think that you know, Ranger fans want to see more games against the the Devils. Flyers fans want to see more games against uh, Pittsburgh. If you get that as part of whatever the NHL looks like in 2021, that's a good thing. Yeah. Now on Thursday, we're going to have you back. And your segment's going to be a little different because we're going to get our uh, our great listeners to uh, text in, tweet in, however they want to do. You want to ask Eric anything? It's your chance to do just that. We'll uh, we we'll might even open up the phones if we're feeling you know feeling you know kind of brave. 
And uh, so we're just encourage people to kind of think of the questions, you know, whether it's fantasy hockey, whether it's just historical stuff or, or whatever, uh, the floor will be yours. Great uh, listeners of Sportsnet 960. That's coming up Thursday. So Eric will let you go uh, and we will talk to you for sure on Thursday. Okay. Looking forward to it. Thank okay, you. Okay, You bet. There we go. Eric Tehachik down the, down the uh, Atlas yeah. Pizza and Sports Bar uh, guest hotline. And uh, I went on the old website uh, for the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out, and there was a few different categories, so I was torn a little bit, PK, like uh, who to vote for, because I've got, I've got my favorites. I've got Sammy's, World's Greatest Pizza, mm-hmm. and I've also got Atlas. So there was different categories, so I, uh, I clicked on both, and we're encouraging people to do just that as we're raising money for Kids Sport Calgary uh, Eric Francis Pizza Pig com. So uh, get on there, find out who's participating, get yourself a nice big wheel for uh, the World Series game tonight, and go vote uh, after you're done. Simple as that. Helping out uh, Kids Sport and their Back to Sport project right here with Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we'll take a break and we'll tease what's going on on the big show. It will be busy, as I think there'll be some baseball, I think there'll be some hockey. And what is today, Tuesday? Oh, there's going to be fantasy football, too. That's coming up right here on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein, and getting ready for the big show coming up. We've got uh, baseball tonight, 6 o'clock, Game 6, the World Series. We've got it for you. Right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, Dan Schulman, Jessica Mendoza will have the call for you. And then uh, we'll see if we get a game seven. I want one. Lou doesn't want one. PK wants one. Let's have one. What do you think? Yeah. Right? I, I am fully on board with that. And as silly as this series has been, I can only imagine the craziness of a game. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, well, I, I go for both, so that's the way it goes. Now, I think we might have just lost PK all of a sudden because he just faded away. Are you still there? No. Well, Logan, here's your chance to uh, tee up what's happening on the big show. What do you guys got planned? It's got it's got to be, you know, waiver wire day, right? So you're going to talk about fantasy football. That's a must. Yeah, we'll have Matt Marchese on from uh, Sportsnet 590 and Sportsnet.ca. He'll join yeah. PK in the one we we'll also have uh, Ryan S. Clark from The Athletic chatting a little bit about the Avalanche and uh, how they spent their cap space uh, this Or how uh, they didn't season. spend it. <laughs> yeah, some people not as happy about that. Devon Taves getting uh, his deal today. Of course, uh, Tuesday means our NFL insider Jason Lockin for a little bit later on. And at 2.30, uh, the newest member of the Calgary Flames, Josh Levo, will uh, join us here on the big show, uh, discuss uh, being the third, fourth member, four, I guess fourth if you include Louis Domingue, uh, the fourth former Canuck on his way uh, over to Calgary and uh, how he's doing in his recovery. He won't be uh, lonely when he rolls into the dressing room. He'll no, like, I figure I most guy. of these guys know. Like, I, know I think that guy like, too. Yeah, you would know one or two guys generally in an NHL locker room just by passing through or something like that. But, I mean, these guys would go in knowing half the team at this <laughs> they point. They really know each other. Yeah, that's the way it's going to be. All right, we're looking forward to that. Baseball at 6 and uh, – so how it works is uh, Peter Klein takes over at 1 o'clock, and then Will we Nalt, and uh, it'll be cool. Uh, Pat Steinberg at uh, 2. So let's do that. Big show set to fire up next right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. <laughs>